Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. We're living in a beautiful age where we're kind of spoiled for choice, really, when it comes to Star Trek. Fan outcry basically convinced CBS to give Star Trek Strange New Worlds the green light. So, what are other times when this happened? I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 times Star Trek gave fans exactly what they wanted. Number 10. Spock in the Kelvin Universe, twice. When news broke that Star Trek was finally coming back to theatres in 2009, fans rejoiced. Star Trek Nemesis had left a somewhat sour taste in the mouths of fandom, and Enterprise had failed to win over the audiences to keep it from cancellation. However, there was a sexy new vision of Roddenberry's future. First of all, how does it tie in with the old one? So, when Leonard Nimoy was confirmed to be appearing in the film, the collective fanbase was delighted. There is something in the gravitas that Nimoy delivered every one of his lines with that lent legitimacy to the film. Added to that, the film was a success. J.J. Abrams, while certainly bringing his own vision of the future to bear, managed to do so in a way that was both respectful and inclusive of the past. And then Into Darkness came along. Well, it's not a bad film, there are many fine examples of acting all around, much like the very ham-fisted Nimoy cameo. It just felt unnecessary. Rather than driving the franchise off into new directions, it fell back and became a soft remake of The Wrath of Khan. While it Benedict Cumberbatch chews all of the scenery that isn't nailed down, he is a far cry from Ricardo Montalban's definitive Superman. The fans may have asked for Khan, and they may have asked for more from the past to be brought back, but Into Darkness serves as a cautionary tale of be careful what you wish for. Number 9. Discovery Jets Into the Future Star Trek Discovery was beset with issues from the beginning. The purpose behind the show was to breathe new life into the franchise, capitalising on the highly popular Kelvin Universe films while still existing within the Prime Universe. The first season, while getting a bit of a reappraisal, yeah, solid fine. Fans started to complain before it even hit the air. First, there was the aesthetic. This was a show that was set 10 years before Kirk takes command of the Enterprise, and while it would be foolish to attempt to style the sets in pre-60 state, fans of canon cried foul. Added to that, the interesting redesign of the Klingons and the continued infighting among the crews, this was not your parent Star Trek. However, many of these concerns were heard. The show's second season was a far superior effort from all concerned. The introduction of Captain Pike brought a sense of exploration back to the show that the franchise had been missing. There was a positivity in the air again, done without sacrificing the breakneck pace that Discovery enjoyed. The final and largest concern was the show's supposed flouting of established canon. So, wiping the slate clean altogether, the show's second season finishes with the ship and crew being sent 930 years into the future, placing it far beyond anything seen before, farther even than Captain Braxton and the mobile emitter. Number 8. Seven of Nine, Picard. 
Jerry Ryan was and remains one of the best additions to Star Trek Voyager, as she brings a wonderful sense of humanity to Seven's journey. Though given a huge presence in the promotional material, it was initially unclear just how large of a role she would play. Her first appearance at the end of the fourth season was a great cliffhanger, and her subsequent revelations in Stardust City Rag were polarising. Much like Picard himself, this may have been Seven of Nine, but she was no longer the Borg that fans remembered. The fans needed more. The first season's conclusion sees her murder the woman who took her child from her before blasting her way out of a sticky situation, sees her join the crew of La Serena, and sees her at least tease the relationship with Rafi. The second season, however, shows Seven in a much larger capacity. When the crew travels back in time to the 21st century, she and Rafi become something of a double act. Now, while some of the screen time has been a little bit squandered, it is very fair to say that Jerry Ryan has been having a ball on screen and fans are absolutely living for it. Number 7. Sweet, sweet merchandise. As early as 1967, fans wanted to hold the Enterprise in their own hands. There were already some items of merchandising available, such as comic books and a board game, but up until then, the idea that fans would want to pay more was ludicrous. The Trimbles soon helped to change this. Together with Roddenberry, B. Joe and John Trimble helped in the creation of a mail-order company called Lincoln Enterprises. Paramount Studios hadn't shown much interest in sending any Trek merchandise out into the world, to the point where they had created items that were simply other toys with Star Trek slapped on the box, and Lincoln took over. Lincoln offered fans the chance to own shirt insignia, scripts and bits of discarded film from the show. Roddenberry had the sense, once he saw fan demand was high for this sort of thing, to write teasers into scripts for items to later be turned into collectibles. This cycle of interaction with the fans helped to keep the show alive as time went on. While the Trimbles were also responsible for the letter writing campaign to save Trek, more on that later, they, along with Roddenberry, kept the merchandising so prevalent that the show enjoyed an unprecedented second life in reruns. Urban legend says that the show has never stopped airing from one station to another since the initial run, and, be that truth or fiction, it is clear that fan interaction with the filmmakers and merchandisers have kept interest alive for over half a century. Number 6. Riker and Troy in Picard The moment that Star Trek Picard was announced, the question of whether or not the original cast would feature was raised. While everyone wanted to see Jean-Luc again, they also badly wanted a sequel to The Next Generation. For most of the season, they were left wanting, and then along came Nepenthe. The seventh episode of Picard's first season sees the captain find his way back to the people who were with him throughout his time on the Enterprise. This is exactly what fans have been clamouring for since the pilot episode, teased along the way by name-dropping and suggestions. In what is potentially the strongest episode of the season, the action slows to a halt, and we get to spend time watching these old friends reunite. A valid criticism of this episode would be the placement within the season, as it comes on the heel of a daring escape from the Borg artifact, but that is a small price to pay to watch Picard, Riker and Troy get back together again. There are moments of sheer beauty, Troy's dressing down of our old captain, Riker sparring with Jean-Luc over a glass of wine and their conversation on the jetty by the lake. The episode was the closest in tone to the next generation that Picard season 1 offered. Now, with the announcement of the return of the entire main cast of the next generation for the show's third season, we're all a little bit excited now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Number five, Riker to the rescue. An entry that deserves its own spot, as this was something that the fans had badly wanted to see. Starfleet ships, the old crew back, and the Federation doing what it was supposed to do. What could go wrong then? The first season's final episode was a mixed affair. A massive positive to the episode is the handling of Data's fate. This aspect of the story was handled with grace and care. The lush tones of Issa Briona's singing of Blue Skies as Data fades away while holding Picard's hand have to stand up with some of the most affecting scenes that the characters have ever been involved in. The same cannot be said for the second return of Riker. Picard flies up to face off against a fleet of Romulan warbirds and there is a moment of sacrifice about the entire scene. Then, out of nowhere, a newly designed Federation ship warps into view, and then again, and the same ship. Again. After copying and pasting 200 times or so, yes, I know there's some variations, Riker comes on the screen spouting some of the most poorly written dialogue that has ever come out of his mouth. The scene seems like it was made for people to punch the air and go, COOL! However, due not just to the bland Federation fleet and some bad writing, the scene ends in about a minute. The Romulans are sent packing and Riker leaves, hardly inspiring. Now, season two of Picard opened with a much stronger depiction of Starfleet and, now while it was Rios as captain in this case, a better use of the Starfleet officers on screen. So that is, in fairness, a good example of Star Trek learning from some of its past mistakes. Number four, Worf on Deep Space Nine. Bringing Michael Dorn over to Deep Space Nine marked the beginning of that show's best years. The Klingon War, while coming seemingly out of nowhere, ended up becoming one of the best additions to the series. Thankfully, it came at a time when the ratings were getting lower and lower, but also came about after a series of conversations that had been mandated by the producers. The original plan had been to close the show's third season with the revelation that the Changelings had reached Earth, and then to have the opening of season four deal with this. This was quashed when the producers demanded there be no cliffhanger ending to the third season. Faced with this, the writers pitched the idea to have the Klingons break off diplomatic relations with the Federation. Added to that, they could bring Worf over to help Sisko deal with this change. Rick Berman loved the idea, not least because he felt that this would bring over a wave of fans from the next generation who had always loved Worf, and the Klingons in particular. It was a gamble that worked. With his sternness shaking up the crew, Worf's arrival spelled a new era of success for Deep Space Nine. From the fourth season on, it rocketed towards triumphant finale, bringing in plot threads from the next generation along the way. Kern and Alexander both returned, giving the fans a sense of closure and adding greater depth to Worf's story. Number three, Kirk meets Picard. Since the very first days of the next generation, the question was posed, who is the better captain, Kirk or Picard? Star Trek Generations finally brought these two icons together after seven years of this question up in the air. The results are quite mixed and there is still no definitive answer. While Picard is the one to survive the film, it is Kirk who saves the day by grabbing the control panel. It's up to the fans still. The film does feature an excellent scene between the two men, highlighting the differences on show. Their meeting in the Nexus, exploring Kirk's cabin and finishing the breakfast for Antonia is pure fan indulgence and it's 
brilliant. Picard, who has travelled through time and space to meet this man, is left holding a scorching frying pan while Kirk looks for eggs, as you do. William Shatner has been candid about his reasons for appearing in Generations. The original series star's arc was effectively finished and there was never going to be a large role on offer. Leonard Nimoy turned down an appearance in the film for that very same reason, but the salary on offer was decent, so Shatner said yes, knowing that he was signing Kirk's death certificate as he was signing the contract. It's very unlikely that we can hope for a Nimoy-esque cameo in future series as Shatner has categorically denied his wish to do any. Well, the fans got their two captains together, it just cost one of them his life. Number two, the original series, season three. After the cancellation of the original series at the end of its second season, the future of Star Trek looked dire. This was a time when there was no movies to fall back on, nor the internet forums to gather the fans together. Betty Joanne Trimble, who would come to be known universally as B. Joe Trimble, together with her husband, came up with an idea. They were instrumental in saving Star Trek. They began a letter-writing campaign that inspired NBC to save Star Trek, and as thanks for this, B. Joe, John Trimble, and many other fans were featured in the rec room scene in the motion picture, cementing their contribution both on and off the screen. However, the saving of Star Trek came at a drastic price. The budget for each episode was slashed, though the star's salaries increased. Time slots became an issue and Star Trek was given the death slot, Fridays at 10pm. Gene Roddenberry threatened to resign over this, but his threats were ignored, and when he followed through and left, the studio had to scramble to hire replacement teams. One script consultant was even quoted as asking, what does this transporter thing do again? While Star Trek may technically have been saved by the network, it really was just a drawn-out funeral. The franchise wouldn't truly be safe until the release of The Wrath of Khan, capitalising on the enormous box office success of the motion picture, which occurred over a decade later. Number 1. Queer representation from Dax to Colbert and Stamets From the outset of the original series, Gene Roddenberry had used Star Trek to represent marginalised groups in human society. On the bridge of the Enterprise, all the way back to 1966, a black woman along with a Japanese man held pride of place, followed the next year by a Russian ensign while the Cold War was still very much a reality. However, one group were very obviously missing for a very long time in Star Trek continuity. The LGBTQIA representation in Star Trek was poor. The Next Generation and Deep Space both attempted in their own ways to rectify this. A script entitled Blood and Fire was commissioned for the next generation, but then was buried. Deep Space Nine was more successful, showing the first same-sex kiss in the history of the franchise. But fans quite deservedly wanted more. Star Trek Beyond showed that the Kelvin Universe Sulu was in a same-sex relationship, although this drew criticism from George Takei, who thought this was simply pandering. Brian Fuller, an openly LGBTQIA plus personas in the initial showrunner of Star Trek Discovery, was the key to the creation of Dr. Kolber and Lieutenant Stamets, the first recurring gay couple in Star Trek. They are displayed as being a loving couple and that's it. There's no overt messaging going on rather than the simple message on show. They are in love and they are together. This simple representation, unthinkable for so many years in the franchise's history, is shown to be as normal as any other relationship and finally the fans' cries for representations were honoured. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.